We have lots of great questions, so we're going to jump right in. The first question is for David. How do you deal when there are conversations that people don't necessarily need to be a part of that are cluttering up the chat room? What's more important, saving time for my team or opening the door for benevolent eavesdropping? That's, that's a really good question. Um, so obviously I'm really opinionated about benevolent eavesdropping. I, I do think that there are two separate purposes. I don't want to conflate these two uses of chat into the same activity because, because they're not. Uh, and there's a lot of things that these other speakers have talked about today that are, that are much better applications for certain kinds of interaction. Um, I would always keep a lobby open. So I would always keep that common space. But it's true that these rooms do get really crowded. Uh, in that situation, again, I, I think I mentioned, we actually create ad hoc rooms. And all of the products I talked about allow you to create ad hoc rooms. You create an ad hoc room for a sub-conversation and, sh and just shunt it off there. And usually what happens is somebody will, will whine in channel. They'll be like, please, please, please take this someplace else. Uh, and then you can. And that room, of course, has all the same uh, sort of memory qualities of the, of the lobby. Um, and it's especially useful because they stick around. And if you can search through those conversations, that's, that's a, a whole other superpower. But yeah, I'd say the lobby is, is something you always keep around. And then as needed, you build up other things. OK, great point. Um, and the next question is for Patty, but anyone um, can feel free to jump in as well. Um, our company is entirely based in Canada and is wary of the security of US-based cloud technology and the US government's ability to monitor or intercept sensitive data. Do you know of anyone who's found workarounds? That's a great question. Have, has anybody found workarounds? Um, I don't know if there is such a thing as a workaround for security. It's really um, being keeping up on what the potential flaws are, what the potential leaks are, and just being diligent about um, securing passwords and limiting access to only the people who absolutely need it. Um, I don't know if we're ever really going to see a, a tool that's going to solve all of our security problems. Okay. Did anyone want to add to that? No. Okay. Great. And um, this one is for David. Chat is interrup interruptive. Doesn't that tend to be very distracting in some or many cases? Yes, all the time. Uh, this is why, when I talked about the, when I talked about the Alexander book, so I don't, I'm not going to get all geeky about stupid books, but the point of having a common space, a common area along the way to private space, the, the, the term there that's really important is along the way. So you don't put it between you and the private space, you have it alongside. And so the way, the way we do it is we all have two monitor setups. I mean, not everybody will have this. Uh, but I'll have the chat room open on one screen and then I'll be working on the other. And that paging thing that I was talking about, if someone says David or if someone says tangentialism in channel, uh, it'll page me. Or if I'm at lunch, and this gets to the question of whether you should be interrupted at lunch, uh, I can get that and decide whether or not to go back. Uh, most of the time you just get used to it and you just don't, you try and find things that don't annoy you out of the corner of your eye, and then you can just sort of look over and be like, oh, you know, we're having a conversation about how much I like tacos. And you're like, I really love breakfast tacos. But like until that time, you basically don't, you don't have to pay attention to it until something calls your eye to it. And you can go back and catch up. Okay. Thanks, David. Um, Kaylee, how does it merely scale for large-scale brainstorming with groups of 40 or more, even up to 80? Um, 
I would say it works great. I mean, our team is 50 plus and we could easily hop into a mural. And the great thing is the murals are actually expandable. So if you start in one section and the more that, you know, more content that people are adding, um, you can expand it. And so I think it works really fantastically. Okay, thank you. Um, and Nicholas, why did you not choose Poplet over more traditional tools like MindJet or MindMeister? I guess, why did you choose Poplet? We uh, actually uh, chose Poplet for its simplicity. We work with technical and non-technical people, so we go outside of our own organization when we're brainstorming. And so it's really important to have something that you can train clients on and hand off to them and, and kind of impart that knowledge, teach them to fish as well. And so Poplet is very limited uh, compared to, uh, of course, like Murally. Um, but in those limitations, there's a lot of comfort there. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's no fonts. You can't do anything elaborate. But that can, those types of enhancements can easily get overwhelming for non-creative teams. And so that's why when we were fishing for a tool, it was something we were looking for simplicity and something we can impart on other organizations who are not uh, as fast at adopting technology as, as we all are, I'm sure. Okay, thank you, Nick. And a question for Anuj. How do templates work with Trello? Like, why would I use one? Well, so template is nothing but a copy of a board. So one way that we are currently using it is to actually solicit bids from competing developers for the same project. So each developer gets a copy of the same board. And because it's structured the same way, we can now compare uh, what they say about a particular feature like for like and compare the quotes that they provide in terms of why something would take longer to develop or less time to develop and you know, who's full of it and who's not. Right? So uh, we, we found that to be an extremely efficient way to just use templates. But uh, as I've mentioned uh, in, in on the last slide of my talk, uh, the link that I provided gives you templates for the development process as well. So if you've got multiple developers working on different parts of your product, you can use the exact same process to develop multiple parts of your product as well, as an example. Thank you. Hopefully that will be handy for um, new people, uh, for people who are new to Trello. Thanks for sharing that. And this question is for David and everyone else. We use a persistent chat group too with great success. Our org is growing fast. At what point will it break? Too many people make for a crowded room? Yeah, again, it, it does make for a very crowded room. I have, I have been in some ways fortunate or, or in some ways kind of usefully inept uh, experience-wise to answer this question because I've always worked at smaller organizations with group chat. Um, the, what, I, what I see is that people eventually splinter off into discipline-based rooms. And I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, so, you know, for example, you have a 80-person organization or something, a very large organization, you'll split off into, you know, your designers and your developers and your ops people. And that's, and that's really functionally very, very useful. So that's, and, and that helps you reduce the noise quotient. I would actually be interested in finding out from, from anybody here, certainly, and anybody out there who has successfully experienced a single lobby that has more than, say, 30 or 50 people. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I wish I had an answer, and I'm really curious what people do in large organizations. I just wanted to uh, 
chime in there a little bit and say some of the alternatives that get explored um, are, are uh, one of them is transparency, where organizations go to kind of public channels, which creates its its own challenge. And you really, it's it's quite easy for um, companies to lose the cultural development aspects of that private chat. And so, where on the one hand you're dealing with, you know, siloed communities. Uh, on the other hand, if you run to the transparency side, it, it's, uh, it waters down the, the culture of, of what you're trying to build. Yeah, we're, we're about 40, 50 people, and it, it's not huge by any means, but that's exactly what we did. We, um, our rooms are set up in such a way that there is this big water cooler, and um, that's where you talk about what you're having for lunch and you know what funny YouTube videos there are. But we also have the discipline for the designers, the engineers. But what we found um, that actually sometimes can present a silo, so that um, you know suddenly the engineers aren't talking to the designers anymore, and that is a culture problem. So what we found um, works really well to kind of get around that is these pods where if you're somehow able to um, structure your company around projects or initiatives, and this isn't just for a client services company like ours, even if you're a product company, you've probably got a initiative or a feature and just mix all those people in there. But if that room is somewhere around 10 or 12 people, that's what we've found is, is like the special sauce. Um, even within this big company of like 50 people, having these pockets and public rooms, anybody can drop in that room, but it's fueled by about eight to 10 people. Um, that's where we really find the magic happens. Okay, great tips. Um, so for everyone, with all these tools, if some team members or clients are unwilling to try something new, are still using email, how do we stay organized and minimize having to check multiple areas for information? So actually, we're a three-person outfit, and one of us is a creative person whose uh, mind just doesn't work in that organized way. And he tries desperately to use email. Uh, and Every time he does that, all we do is copy-paste that back into a Trello card and keep moving the conversation back there. And at some point, he's, he, he got the message. Uh, but it's, it's almost like you've got to uh, sort of make it a point that this is the way we are going to do it. There's going to be no deviation from it, because otherwise everything starts to fall apart if you make ad hoc exceptions to the rule. actually the same thing. It's kind of a, a mixture of, um, we definitely have that situation where it's email and, um, you know, especially whenever we still stay connected through email with our client and internally um, because there are different types of communication, whether it's group chat or email, there's different channels. Um, even with like Muralee, for instance, they have email notifications that will go to you and show you the communication that's happening there. So it still comes through your, your inbox. But even then, I'll do the whole screen grab thing. I mean, just take a quick screen grab of what I've done in another platform and send it through that channel, but with the hope of transitioning it over so that um, you are kind of saying like, hey, this is the way that we're doing it. I'm you know, gonna give this to you for now, but until we can uh, get you on our side of the fence, then like, let's, uh, let's give them some examples. So I think it's, it's really important to just to transition people into, uh, from one platform to the other and make sure that you're still being open to their, their style of communication. 
That's exactly it, being open to their style of communication. And this is more of a message to all you app developers out there who are building these tools for our distributed teams, um, is how to bring in those people who are still using email. So for example, we use, uh, we're not affiliated with Atlassian at all, but we're big fans of Confluence and Jira, and uh, they'll send you these notifications when somebody mentions you in the ticket, and that arrives in your email, but you can actually respond to that email, and it'll get looped into that ticket. So even though they're using email, they're still not being left behind on this new platform. Um, so there's definitely kind of a fine line, especially for app developers. Uh, how, how can you kind of create this platform for everybody to be more productive on, but make sure that you're not completely turning away people and forcing them to work in a wildly different way than they're comfortable with? I, I just want to uh, chime in there. There's, a, uh, there's this new notion. There's a book called The Challenger Sale, and I think it's, uh, it, in essence, it, uh, the idea is, is quite simply that um, you have to be willing to challenge your clients and at the same time introduce them to the value of what you're offering and what uh, paradigm you're operating on. So uh, often we're introducing our clients to new and different collaboration software or project management software that does kick out email notifications and all of these things, but that plays second fiddle to the primary interaction um, in the project management app. I mean, are there uh, any Asana users out here? Anyone? Yeah, so there, yeah, so it's a free tool, and we work with nonprofits to de deploy that on occasion, and um, they're, they're excited about getting on that paradigm. Usually they're open to it. Great, thank you. And I have um, one last question for all of you. Can you talk about the basics? Which do you prefer, Skype, GoToMeeting, or Google Hangout? What's your minimum hardware? Uh, I am a staunch Google Hangout fanboy. Uh, and the reason I'm a staunch Google Hangout fanboy is because our office, when I say our, there's sort of three editorially co-workers in one office, but you know, we're all spread out all over the place, but pretty much universally we had really bad internet. Skype, uh, while I love it and it's, it's really handy, we always had tons of problems with, and Google Hangout has, and other speakers have talked about this, has the sort of default video chat uh, opinion and it seems to be behave really well, uh, even on sort of crappier internet uh, connections. Uh, and as far as minimum hardware, the cheapest possible laptop uh, does a perfectly fine job in the 21st century. I think that's wonderful. Great. Did anyone want to share their favorite? Yeah. Uh, I just want to chime in something that he's pointing out that I hope everyone takes away today is, is making better use of those adjacent screens that are adjacent to our workspace because that's what enabling his team to um, stay collaborative and while stay working. And then on top of that, um, a platform that we use is called Sevo, uh, S-E-E-V-O-G-H. And we've had uh, trouble with Google Hangouts crashing and nothing's more fun than spending a meeting troubleshooting the meeting software, as I'm sure many of you know. But um, they, they, unlike what you see on, on Skype, it's basically high def on low bandwidth and they're like the AWS of, of uh, video platform, so it's worth investigating that, that tool um, for collaboration as well. We use GoToMeeting because it's the most stable for a large number of people. So if I have a call with 10 people on it, um, that's when 
Google Hangout seems to falter a bit. <laughs> and then uh, for one-on-one, -on -one, we've actually started using the brand new HipChat video. Um, HipChat is a group chat tool that we live in every day. It's open on every single one of our desktops and uh, that kind of seamless integration there, we can just pop open a video, is, has been pretty, pretty handy. We, we use uh, a combination of either TeamViewer or join me for our remote sessions when we need to see each other's desktops and for voice or video, we're just fans of whatever works at that moment because with free stuff, nothing really works exactly when you want to. So we're not opposed to actually using the phone on a phone card because that actually works a lot better at times. So it costs a few cents, but you know, don't, don't count it out. We use a combination of things as well. We haven't really gotten into the whole Google Hangout thing. I know you would think that for social, but um, I wouldn't say really any of those are any of our main clients, but um, we kind of have a combination of the good old iChat, and uh, we also use Voxer. I don't know if anybody's familiar, but Voxer is a great thing with designers just because then they can listen to the sound bites over again, and it's kind of on your own schedule. So I think that that's the important thing is, especially whenever it's a conference or video, um, even if it's just audio, is being able to go back and reference, similar to the group chat concept. So, All right. Thank you so much.